Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her traveling companion, Philip Gilfus. So, what have you been up to since our last podcast? Lots of misery, but that has nothing to do with <laughs> Doctor Who. <laughs> no, that's true. Although, I would not be opposed to getting into a big blue box at this point. And traveling away. And going far away, yes. While the TARDIS does break down every now and then, it tends to repair itself. Yes, Unlike yes. two car bills, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> and we're now starting to regret all those Doctor Who purchases we talked about last week. Yes. <laughs> never mind, never yeah. mind. We can sell them on eBay. Yeah. So, one major part of the Doctor Who fandom is attending conventions. Whether it's a dedicated Doctor Who convention or just a larger convention with a Whovian component... There are many ways to enjoy 50 years of our favorite franchise with other fans. One major Doctor Who con is Gallifrey One, which is held in Los Angeles every February. Next year, Gallifrey One will be celebrating its 30th anniversary. So we are proud to have our very first guest to talk more about Gallifrey One. She's a fellow podcaster, she hosts the music podcast Start the Music, and co-hosts a sister Whovian podcast, Verity Podcast. Kat, thanks for joining us on Time and Space. Well, thanks for having me on. That was such a sweet introduction. I love it. Sure, oh. yes. Yay. Yay. Special thanks to our writers on the team. That's right. They, they go uncredited. <laughs> yeah, they really. do. Cool. Well, no, Kat, it's, it's awesome to have you on. You know, I, I guess always a, a a usual thing to do with any guest is to kind of talk about your history with the fandom. So how did you get into Doctor Who and and who brought you in or what brought you in and, and what what's your favorite? All those wonderful questions. Well, I, I pride myself on having a very strange introduction to Doctor Who. I came to Doctor Who through the U.S. show Queers Folk. Um, ah, interesting. So Queers, I'm trying to figure out what the connection is. Well, Queers Folk <laughs> yes. has an American version and a U.K. version. That's true. Oh, Russell P. Davies. Exactly. That's right. But, ah. but here's mm-hmm. the fun part. I didn't go directly mm-hmm. to Doctor Who. I went okay. because of a piece of fan fiction I had read. I learned about this show called Torchwood. <laughs> Oh, and from Torchwood, I fell in love with Captain Jack. So I had to go into Doctor Who and find out about more about Captain Jack. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I and and actually, I watched an episode of the new series and I hated it. So oh. I learned about the classic series and I watched the Five Doctors and I fell in love with it. See, that was funny. That was I we we saw a riff track version of the Five Doctors a couple months ago. That was fun. Yeah. With the sort of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys doing the commentary over it. So it was very interesting. So, ah, okay. So that is an interesting sort of timeline for everything. That's fun. I like it. So who, you know, I always know, I always hate to ask your favorite doctor. So I give you a little breath. Who are your favorite three doctors that we don't have to do it in any kind of order? I, I can safely say that my favorite, like my first doctor, which is always usually, well, your first doctor is your first doctor. It might not be necessarily <laughs> your favorite doctor, but your first doctor has that special part in your heart you just kind of can't let go and that's the fifth doctor for me ah, see, oh. i like yeah I, 
<laughs> there's there's I approval agree. here. I hear I hear approval. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always I always like, and we don't have to go <laughs> apropos of nothing when we talk about the Fifth Doctor. But I always have wanted to see more of the Fifth Doctor. I always want to see more of the Fifth Doctor and Nissa. Mm-hmm. Because Turlow is terrible. Um, oh, what's her face? The Australian Tegan. Yeah, Tegan. I don't. You know, I know she sometimes she gets a lot of hate, and I don't hate her that much. But I like Nissa better. I just wish it had been the fifth Doctor and Nissa for just a few episodes because they could kind of nerd out together because they're just nerds. Yeah, you and lots of other people. But no, it would be the the, <laughs> the fifth Doctor, the twelfth Doctor, probably the seventh Doctor. Okay. Ah, interesting. Yeah. And so of, of, out of the, the current ones, Capaldi's your man. Yeah, and I think, you know, Jody hasn't shown what she can do yet, so there's a very good chance that the Seventh Doctor will be, you know, shoved aside for, for Jody. <laughs> You're reserving your space. Unceremoniously dumped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, awesome. Um, yeah, we were, and I don't know if it's in Canada. If, if, so, if not, we're either going to brag or make you feel bad, but we just purchased the... Um, complete peter capaldi blu-ray dvd and got that so we're i think it is here i think we knew it wasn't available in england yet and so uh they're mad at us and they're very cross well we tend we (laughs) tend to get what you guys get for the most part okay yeah cool all right well you the reason we brought you on is because you are a a gallifrey one veteran (laughs) so kind of what what brought you to your first galley and and what was the draw? And, you know, kind of give give the overview of someone who's never heard of Gallifrey One. Well, Gallifrey One is the largest fan-run convention in North America. I've been going, I just, this past February was my ninth galley um, in wow. a row. Never missed a year so far, fingers crossed. And all those years ago, it was another podcast, Radio Free Scarrow, that had been talking about this convention and they had such a good time and to kind of put all the books on the table as it were. I don't think that's actually a saying. I think I just made that up just now. Um, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, Trademark, we're, we're good with that. Yeah. My, uh, my partner is one of the hosts of, of Radio Free Scarrow, and him and I met for the first time in, in real life, IRL, um, at Gallifrey <laughs> One, like my first Gallifrey um, One. We had talked online. Couples doing Doctor Who. I don't Yeah, I we, we do not approve. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's kind of. I mean, it's technically our anniversary every year when we go. So it's Aww. kind of that extra layer of, of of schmooze. And actually, one of my co-hosts, um, Erica, and her husband Stephen. Stephen's from RFS from Radio Free Scarrow, and she's on my podcast. So those two podcasts have that kind of connection. Um, and they they didn't meet at they didn't meet at Gallifrey One, but I think they got married at Gallifrey One. So it's got that kind of, it's got that kind of love connection. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And now how far away are you from LA? Um, Well, right now it's like a three hour flight. Okay. But at the time I was living on the East Coast in Nova Scotia. Oh. So it was a six hour flight. Wow. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty big commitment to have gone nine years. It's. Not on your back stoop by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I'd, I'd never flown. I'd only flown once before by myself. I was given the money to go, um, <laughs> ironically, from my ex at the time. <laughs> um, Why not? And, uh, yeah, it was it was a huge commitment, and it was a huge... I didn't really know anybody there. Um, I knew my partner, but that's about it. But we had never actually mm. met face-to-face, just online. So, Yeah. But it was it was cool because 
Within arriving to Galfrey 1, I got a hug from Rob Shearman, the writer, Doctor Who writer. Um, oh, okay. So that was my first introduction to kind of fandom outside of online. Cool. That's brilliant. Well, I mean, I think weddings and, and uh, romance is certainly some highlights, but those, I guess some or sort of in fandom, not that those aren't important, what are some <laughs> in fandom highlights from the past nine years, whether it's really super panels or, you know, interesting guest appearances or, you know, one-on-one whatever meetups the top i'll I'll give you the highlights one year i had we have something called a cafe clash which is Mm -hmm. a group of like i think it's eight or ten people you go into a room with an actor or a writer or something and it's just the that person and this small group of people Mm -hmm. and you get to ask them questions and it's kind of like a one-on-one kind of thing and i had one of those with boris hussein who directed the very first episode of doctor who Oh, yes. yes. Oh, that's amazing. So that was super cool. Um, I got to meet the fifth doctor. I got to meet Peter Davison. Yes. Fantastic. I got to meet Gareth David Lloyd, who played Yanto in Torchwood. Mm -hmm. Um, More importantly, I got to interview Gareth David Lloyd and Naoko Mori on stage in front of a lot of people. Oh, wow. (laughs) That was fun. And they were already tipsy from the wine they'd been drinking. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was super fun and then i've done tons of panels our podcast does a panel every year called in defense of where oh. audience members come up and have to defend positively um a, a random thing that's been written by another audience member so it'd be like okay defend the doctor's i don't know the sixth doctor's coat but you have right. to do so positively oh. <laughs> or yeah. adric or i don't know now, see, Adric's my favorite companion, so I've become known for... Are you Ravenclaw? Can we just get this out front? Because I'm sensing a theme. You're mixing our fandoms, <laughs> darling. So, um, only time I've ever cosplayed something Doctor Who related at Gallifrey 1 was I have a Femi Adric outfit, and uh, I get... Do you have the little broken shield? Or I'm sorry. Too soon, too soon. <laughs> no, no, not from that episode. <laughs> um, but I get to show off the to um, Andrew Smith. Who created Adric? So oh, he wrote oh. that episode. So that that's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 I think that one of the cool things is the the gender bending cosplay is always cool, but it's I think was cool to see this year some of the photos online that people or you know women got to dress up as the Doctor because it's now the thirteenth Doctor of all ages. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the little girl that kind of went around. <laughs> Social media, the little yes. girl dressed as the thirteenth Doctor. She was having mm-hmm. so much fun at the convention, like just running around and watching people be excited about her. It was adorable. Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, and that was so. so I just wanted to cry. <laughs> I, that just. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's get into this year's uh, okay. galley. I'm sure there were so many things, and and you know whether you saw them all or not. But sort of, I guess, what was your experience? Like, how many days did you go? What was you do? You, do you plan an agenda, or did you just sort of go free flow? What, what was sort of your 2017, or excuse me, 2018 um, experience? Well, they um, a little while ago, a couple years ago, they stopped selling like one day passes, so you just get mm-hmm. a full weekend pass. And you're there for the full weekend. We always try to stay at the Marriott Hotel, which is the hotel the convention's set in, um, mm. because it makes it easier. We've been going so long that we go down Tuesday to Tuesday. So we go down for a full wow. week and kind of, we went to like mm-hmm. the La Brea Tar Pits and did some sightseeing and stuff. 
um, and and had an anniversary week. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's it's our vacation. It's our big vacation. Yeah, but uh, we we don't tend to plan that much. I think because we've been going for so long. I I tend to just whatever happens happens. I'll make things that I want to have happen, but if they don't, I have <laughs> to tell myself, you know, don't be disappointed. So this is always uh, next year. Yeah, <laughs> exa- yeah, exactly. Um, seeing people is way more important than even going to panels because it feels like a family reunion more so than yeah um it has since the first year that i went wow and i guess the thing that i i really liked was we had stephen moffat as a a guest this year Mm -hmm. and the thing that people don't understand about galley is um gallifrey one you know what i mean (laughs) yep (laughs) we're hip we're hip with the kids is guests don't have guests don't really have handlers like they do at big media conventions. Like they don't mm-hmm. really have security or bodyguards or like they're not whisked away places. Like Stephen Moffat mm-hmm. spent a lot of the time he was there just kind of hanging out. Like in the bar, in the restaurant, in the lobby. Like there was no, there was nothing in between us and him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and actually one of the fun things I've been telling people that happened is... I was standing in the lobby, just kind of hanging around, waiting for people. And I looked over, and there was this couple, or I assume they were a couple, um, sitting, and they were, like, talking in hushed tones. And then they'd look over where Stephen Moffat was sitting at the bar, and then they would, like, hush tones and whisper, 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 and they'd look over again. <laughs> and uh, he, he looked over, and he saw them doing it. So he got up. He walked over to the two of them, stuck his hand down, Shook each of their hands. They're like fanboying, fangirling, like <laughs> completely speechless. He smiled, gave a little wave, went back to where he was at the bar, picked up his drink, oh. went back to what he was doing. And mm. nobody bothered him. Nobody was going over and pestering him. It's just they were letting him come to them. And that's that's the way Galley's always been. Like regardless mm. of who who was a guest or there's always been this kind of unspoken the guests will come to you, or if you go up, you have to be very polite. If they don't want to talk to you, then you walk away. Um, mm-hmm. But I've never seen that at any other convention. Sure. Do you think that that's because it's a fan-run event? Maybe at some point it was, but at this point, it's kind of a word-of-mouth thing. Mm-hmm. Sean Lyon, the person who, the, the chair of the board that runs it, has done so much work to make sure that guests are comfortable and that gets kind of passed on to new guests. So mm-hmm. when you have like, you know, the first time Philip Hinchcliffe was ever at the convention, it's because someone else had told him that it's a very good convention, that it's uh-huh. safe, that it's well run, and you know people are polite and respective and stuff like that. Now, did you go? And I'm trying to remember who was on the panel. There was I don't know if it was just an, an all. Um, uh, all, like all women actresses, or all women actresses, all actresses <laughs> of Doctor Who run there, and then it kind of turned into this sort of talk about you know sort of the Me Too and everything else, and and different experience people had had. I mean, I just had read about that article about that, and I didn't know if you had gone to that one. Um, I hadn't gone to it, but one of my co-hosts from Verity is the one who moderated it. Okay. Oh right, um, Deb Stanish. She's the one that moderated. She is an amazing. I want to be a moderator like her someday. She's amazing. <laughs> and it was one of the Head Over Feels ladies that had taken 
that had gone through and done up like the the Twitter thread that a lot of the articles were based off of because you can't you're not allowed to film any of the panels. Okay. Um, the only exceptions are Radio Free Scaro is allowed to record their opening panel and Reality Bomb, which is another podcast, they're allowed to record theirs. But otherwise, there's no videotaping, no audio taping. Which and that definitely has to relax, yeah, a little bit yeah. the the, uh, the guest. Yeah. Um, but no, I wasn't there, but I heard heard all about it, and I saw a lot of people, um, like in tears, but good kind of tears, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, from it and apparently people even in the very very back of the room and it's a huge space that they were in they were like they said it was so powerful even standing at the very very back of the room hearing people you know talk about things that they had never talked about before or mentioning stuff that other people that had worked with them didn't know anything about so because mm. I mean I guess that was the whole thing especially because I'm trying to remember everyone who's there and I, and I probably won't remember off the top of my head but anyway you had sort of different generations of, of who people up there so it just wasn't like from one era to or another and so I think having those stories come out they could still relate unfortunately yeah. um, they could still relate and it was very interesting because I think that was the one I think the one quote I showed you Jessica that's like where Sophie or Sophia Allred um, Ace talked about how they told her you need to lose weight for that oh, right. series yes and she gained weight just, <laughs> just despite a- them yeah yeah you had like, like that. wendy padbury who's from like the troughton era um mm-hmm. still black and white and then you had like Haley newbauer who's one of the costume costume designers um and one of the things that uh, a few of the actresses had mentioned was like they didn't know what the costuming people were going through because those aren't worlds that tend to mix or tend to mm. talk in that kind of kind of way. Yes. But it was yeah. that still that they were still having the same kind of experiences of like being in rooms with like maybe not producers but like male executives, you know, masturbating. That's and they couldn't leave. Mm. Like it was those kind of experiences where women just they just didn't talk about it because if they did, they could ruin their career or they could never have another job or what have you. And that's the kind of stuff that came up just organically just between Mm. between people and i think it's interesting because i don't think i really learned about it until um an adventure in space and time came out with the first doctor or the bill hartnell special about learning about verity you know and and uh hussein you know about the fact that the people who started this was like a woman and then you know a uh, you know not a person of color a director you know, you know these were these people that started this a Canadian you know, one of them was a Canadian. yeah exactly right <laughs> Canadian Mr. Yeah, Newman, Sydney oh um, god not a Canadian <laughs> of all people the worst <laughs> the worst but I think Canadians are known for being the worst troublemakers yeah, oh, yes. trouble yeah rabble rousers yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just think that that sort of opened my eyes because you know I, you know just I'm still learning as well but the fact you know what we can be seen as old black and white and whatever knowing that in 1963 you know Everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people were at the table who usually weren't and made this thing happen. And then, and yet how frustrating that even in, even with that openness, terrible things were still happening. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, it was... Behind closed doors. It was the show that wasn't supposed to survive. And it was the show right. that um, wasn't, you know, it was just a cast-off. And somehow, some way, people convinced them, oh, you know, let us, let us try. You know, the people who you think aren't going to do anything good, 
let us try with this horrible cast off that you don't want. What's the worst that could happen? You know, <laughs> exactly. right. We end up with a TV show that's 50 years old and still running. <laughs> Oh, yes. Awesome. Cool. So, and what about any of the other highlights from from uh, this year that that you were that you did attend? <laughs> I actually have my. The cool thing is this year and a, last year, I think we had something called Sked, which is like an online scheduling thing. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, um, yes. So, any panels? If you're on a panel, it adds that panel to your schedule, and then you can go through and add all the the panels that you want to go to, that you aren't necessarily on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have mine open for this year because I'm prepared <laughs> yeah, Ed- for once. <laughs> nice. The Edinburgh Fringe Festival does the same sort of thing. <clears throat> yeah. They have an an app where you can, so you can get all your shows scheduled and things like that. And and what are some? I, I don't. I'm sure there's people who come all the time. But is there any particular person you were excited to see again that came this year, or any new people that came this year? Like guests, or like people? Sure. People? I mean, you can name people that we don't know, and that'd be fine, <laughs> just like your friends. But yeah. Everybody gets a shout-out. <laughs> well, the, I, I will say, and just because I could name people until the cows come home, and you'd end up with like a four-hour episode, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I will say the, the thing about Galley, and this isn't just me saying this, anybody who goes to Galley would agree with me, that it's very, very difficult to not make friends. And that's not because they run great mixers, because they do. They have great LGBT mixers. They have great, um, like, ice cream socials and all that kind of stuff. But it's just people hang out in the lobby, and if you hear someone having a conversation about something, you just walk over and you start having a conversation too. And it's mm-hmm. like an unspoken rule that people just include each other. That just happens. Mm. It's just a very welcoming welcoming kind of environment and when I went there like I said I didn't know anybody except for Chris my partner and then after that like the next year it was like suddenly I knew 20 people and then suddenly I knew 40 people and then suddenly I had people coming up to me that knew my name that I didn't know <laughs> that wanted to talk <laughs> which is super cool how long was your post con funk then after that experience is it like a week or a month or i get over it just about in time like for the first of february i think mm-hmm. like it's just kind of like a it's it's always a it's nice to be home but it is like a family reunion that you actually want to go to like you look forward to it all year <laughs> to see the oh, rest see, of your family yeah, that's a spin on it. Mm-hmm. i was gonna say uh, jessica and I, I saw a few photos or at least i forced some photos on her when she was probably doing something else more important but um, what were some sort of memorable cosplays or um, that you saw this year? There is a gentleman who cosplays as the master, as the Delgado mm-hmm. master. I was going to say, which one? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yes. yeah okay, Delgado yeah, yeah. master. And he naturally, nice classic. he naturally looks like him. Mm. Um, and like same facial hair, same like bone structure. He, he goes on Twitter as the doctor dances. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but he has like a suitcase full of plastic flowers, like... Autons episodes. He gives mm-hmm. away little bags of candy. Like he's a super sweet guy, and he's a big fan of the podcast I'm on. Um, and he's a very very nice guy. But if you didn't know him, you'd be like, the master is actually here. He really looks like <laughs> the master. Um, it's always fun seeing him when he's not in costume. Like he'll mm-hmm. be like just wearing shorts and a t-shirt, getting like a coffee, and you're like, I don't trust that guy. He looked- <laughs> that's, what would, that's what the master would look like if he was going to buy a coffee in L.A. <laughs> um, and then, of course, there's always tons of kids running around in costumes. There's always one or two, like, babies in high chair, like in uh, 
uh, strollers that are done mm-hmm. up to look like um, like a Dalek or uh, not not Cyberman. not a Dalek, head of the Daleks. Oh, Davros. There we go. I was like, there's a D, oh, and that's yeah. all I remember. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, like Davros. Um, there's people who dress up like the Monoptera from the oh. Web of Fear. The big, yes, the big fuzzy moths. Oh right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of the costumes are super cool, and um, we're friends with Meta and Brian, and they're two cosplayers from the Bay Area. Um, they have like astonishing, like they have like Stones of Blood cosplays. They have a Cassandra, and then they uh-huh. dress up like the two attendants. <laughs> um, they have the from the library two-parter. Mm-hmm. The um, the. Uh, Vashnarada. They have like the uh-huh. the astronaut spacesuit. Hey, who turned out the lights? Exactly. Oh. Um, they're amazing. They're so good. So <laughs> you've probably seen them amongst galley pictures because they always have tons of pictures taken. Um, mm. But no, like there's we. Oh, last year there was uh, mm-hmm. a woman who did the second Doctor in black and white Ooh. like Ooh. Even, she had her like her skin colored and everything so it was all in black and white it was super cool awesome. and she had a fourth doctor i think as well that was done in black Ooh. and white oh interesting yeah. I, I like that idea yeah. of making the the color you know in black and white mm. yeah. like the monochrome yeah. scarf and everything mm-hmm. oh i can't even imagine how long that would take to do though <laughs> i can tell you it takes 13 hours because i've done one. Oh my oh, gosh <laughs> See, so now you know what to get for my birthday. <laughs> yes, 13 hours of makeup. That's okay, right. yeah. I'm on it. Oh, cool. Now, you know, say someone's listening to this and they're like, wow, this sounds awesome. I want to go to Galley 1. Like us, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go. Well, not actually. Uh, we'll have to see it after, <laughs> yeah, after certain yeah. bills are paid. But anyway, um, but so what would you? What were the tips you would give to the first-time Galley goer, whether this is their first you know doctor who convention or not what what would you sort of give them the must do's must don'ts well i would say first off gallifrey1.com is the website um there's a facebook group make sure you join there know when the tickets go on sale um mm-hmm. you need to which get a april sorry as i said which i saw is april yes. i forget the exact yeah date, april 13th yeah april mm-hmm. 13th um you need to get them the day of. Otherwise, you have to try to track somebody down that's bought a ticket that can't go or something like that. They sell out really, really quick. But mm-hmm. hopefully you get a ticket. And if you do, and you get a hotel room, you get those two things, you're golden. <laughs> In which case, there's lots of resources for people that have never been before. There are tons of people that pretty much anybody there is willing to help you out. Um you definitely want to go down at least a day or two ahead of the convention if you can. So it starts on Thursday night. Most people will go down Wednesday or Thursday mm-hmm. morning. Um, and from there, you know, go out, do some sightseeing, that kind of thing. Go see what little bit of L.A. you're going to see while you're at the convention <laughs> outside of the hotel. It's really fun to tell people you're going to L.A. for a week and they're like, oh, what are you going to see? I'm going to see the inside of a Marriott hotel, and that's pretty much it. If you're not from the U.S., make sure you get American money before you go down there because it is exceedingly Uh expensive to get money out of ATMs. It's like $4 per transaction. Wow. To get money out, Um, as as people find out when they desperately need to get U.S. cash out. Mm. Um, And they usually, well, they haven't this year, but usually the ATMs will go down. 
because everyone's taking money up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're empty. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, you know, plan ahead of what you'd like to see. That's the great thing about SCED. But whatever you plan to see, you're going to see like a quarter of it. Maybe. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> is there like, I mean, I'm, and I'm trying to imagine that having ever gone, but just trying to compare it to other ones I've been to. Is it like a long wait lines to get into things or is it just sort of you know how massive does it feel when you're there or is it still feel not overwhelming well there's i I can't remember what the actual cap number of people there are Hmm. it's not as high as like san diego comic-con or a wizard convention or something like that um it actually doesn't feel like as many people as they say there there is Mm -hmm. but um it's not even that Here's the funny thing. It's not that it's Mm -hmm. massive. That's not the reason you're not going to go to much stuff. It's you're going to go to a panel. You're going to go to, say, like Stephen Moffat's panel, and that's going to be over. And you're going to think, okay, if I go to program room D, I can go and watch, you know, that Katrina person talk about whatever (laughs) it is she's talking about. But as you're walking to that room, you're going to see somebody that you met earlier in the day. And you're going to want to tell them all about the Stephen Moffat panel. And they're going to want to tell you all about the thing they got in the dealer's room. And then you're going to want that thing from the dealer's room. So they're going to say, okay, let's go back to the dealer's room. And you're going to forget all about that program room D thing that you were thinking about going to. It happens every time. Like you see somebody or you see a cool costume or you see a Dalek in the hallway and you want to get a picture. And you might go and watch half of it. But there's just mm. there's so many things to see and there's so many people to talk to. And... Everybody wants to talk to everybody else, and very rarely about Doctor Who. <laughs> like, everybody's there, that, and you know everybody loves Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. But you end up talking about Babylon 5, or, you know, yes. Discovery, or something mm-hmm. else. Because at a Doctor Who convention, nobody talks about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> the way it goes. It's like Fight Club. Yeah. <laughs> it's the TARDIS in the room. Oh. Yes. Yeah, and so what? This this is a question because coming from a Star Trek convention standpoint, I'll ask this for the Doctor Who convention standpoint. So when you're in the merch room yep. and you're looking at, and I don't know how big it is, but I'm going to pretend like it's pretty big, um, or I assume it is. Fair so size. what's the thing that you're, you're always looking for? Like maybe this year, I'm going to get it. Um, what's, what's still an empty spot on your shelf or or whatever of something you're still looking for? I'm not a big merch person. But I can speak mm-hmm. from, I think I can speak from, like, friends' point of view for what they go after. Some people will go after, like, Funkos. Like, right. Or, like, action figures or something. Um, trying mm-hmm. to find that one particular thing to complete their collection. Um, the Target novelizations. Oh, a lot okay. of people yeah, go yeah. to get those. Um, and actually, there was a fun thing with, I don't know if you know who Tony Lee is. Yes. Um, he I was, met him at Chicago TARDIS. He went, yeah, he got into like a $2 discount bin of Target novelizations and then proceeded to call his wife back home and ask her to hold the phone up to his bookcase so he could make sure that he, was, he wasn't <gasps> getting doubles. <laughs> <laughs> and he ended up buying like 20 books out of this like wow. random $2 discount bin. See, that's what a wife will do, darling. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll write that down. Um. So, so yeah, it's, I don't know, the merch room is pretty pretty varied. There's a, a lot of, like, general sci-fi stuff. Um, you never, ever, ever spend all your money on the first day because the last day of the convention, Ah, that's when they're discounts. desperate. 
That's oh. when that's when the, yeah. Because they don't want to ship stuff back. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good for, tip for a first time Absolutely. goer of any convention. You want to. Yeah. You go and you look. The make first a list. Day yeah. And kind of make a list. If there's something you think is going to sell out, and you really think it's going to sell out, then buy it. Otherwise, just kind of keep an eye on the levels of stock of whatever it is you're looking for. And then that last day, they either will offer a discount or you say, hey, you know, you have these three, you know, Funko Pops. And those Funko Pops take up a lot of space. You know, maybe we could do a deal for, you know, three for ten instead of five bucks a piece or... Whatever. And if you're dressed as the master while doing this, <laughs> yes. they'll probably be intimidated and giving you good deals. Well, no, those are, those, are, those are some good tips and things to think about. So, so any final thoughts for our listeners about Gallifrey One and and why you know what it's kept you going all these years? It's like I say, Gallifrey One is more. It's way more than a convention, and that sounds really cheesy. And I guess it kind of should because it's it's way more about friends. It's way more about um, seeing people you don't see. The rest of the year. I mean, Chicago Tardis is the same way. I know L.I. Who, for some people, was kind of the same way. But it's just that that one place. Like, there've, I know people that have been going since day one, like, the first year. And they've missed wow. a year here or there. But otherwise, they've been there for almost 30 years. And cool. the people running it care so much about it. And Sean Lyon puts so much into it um, mm. that it, it's not it's not like... San Diego Comic-Con or any of those conventions, which are great. Don't get me wrong. But you're not really going to go to those to see friends. You know, you're going to go there to see an actor or a celebrity of some, you know, some sort. And you're probably never going to see that celebrity just sitting in the bar having a drink. And you're, mm-hmm. if, you, if you do, you're not going to be allowed to actually walk up to them. Right. You know, <laughs> you're either going to get tackled by security or ask politely <laughs> to pay however much to you know, stand in their mm. shadow kind of thing, <laughs> which doesn't happen. Which we, Gally. Yeah, which we know from the library episode. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, so basically, come for the who, stay for the family. Um, No, come for the family and and mm. stay for the who. Oh, there oh, you go. Okay. Well, there you go. See, I learned something. <laughs> cool. Well, Kat, if people want to talk to you more about Gallifrey One, Doctor Who, or anything else in particular... Where can they find you on the interwebs? Well, if for some strange reason you'd want to do that, which I don't understand why you would, but <laughs> that's my Canadianness coming through. Um, yeah. I'm on troublemakers. I'm on all of the social media as Zanister X A N I S T E R. If you see Zanister, with the exception of DeviantArt, if you see Zanister, it's me. If it's DeviantArt. Somebody stole my identity there. So that's, uh, that's not me. Not cool. Verity Podcast is my main, my main baby. We've been going for almost six years now. Um, wow. We're an all-female Doctor Who podcast, ranging from the U.S. to Canada to Tasmania to Scotland. So we're all over the world. Um, oh, fantastic. I also do. I'm. I'm just going to keep plugging stuff. So sorry. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, I'm part of Doctor Who's line. Is it anyway? which is a Doctor Who improv podcast where Ooh. we take um, <laughs> that we're always looking for people to join. Um, we take episodes of Doctor Who and we rewrite all the dialogue and perform it on top of the episode. So you watch the episode and listen to the podcast 
and it's a whole new it's a whole new story. Wow! Oh, that sounds fantastic. We're gonna have to check that one out. Yes. Yeah, and we always need people to come along, and we've had Sophie Aldred come and play with us, so she's come on and, and done lines for us. Very very oh, cool. Wow. Um, and then lastly, but not leastly, and the only not Doctor Who podcast is Start the Music, which is my one woman podcast. Um, looking at music and trying to step away from genre. Um, so I play music, I have interviews, and uh, I try to convince people that they may think they don't like a certain genre of music, but there's a good chance that they just haven't heard the right stuff yet, and that we shouldn't be looking at music as a genre. We should be looking at music as a collective work, where you're going to like some pieces and you're not going to like others. Awesome. Brilliant. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Kat. Well, thanks for asking me on. It was fun. Hey, let's take a trip into the TARDIS library now. Well, since we've been talking about Gallifrey with Gallifrey One, and we talked about the great uh, panel with all the uh, women of Doctor Who, it got me thinking, Gallifrey, women, let's talk about a time lady. Now, we've talked sometimes about Susan, right? The doctor's granddaughter. Yes. But there was another time lady, and that is the Ronnie, sort of the bad time lady. And so we're going to be talking about The Mark of the Ronnie, a two-episode serial that debuted on 2nd February, 1985. Now, TARDIS.Wikia gives us this synopsis. In 19th century England, the Doctor finds himself facing two competing enemies, his old adversary, the Master, and the Ronnie, another Time Lord with a sinister plan. The local population is turning violent and unpredictable. With a major meeting of the brains of the Industrial Revolution due to happen in the village soon, the Doctor must work out what exactly is causing all the problems. Only the Doctor can stop the Master and the Ronnie's evil plans. So what did you think of this new Time Lord or Time Lady, depending upon whether you're old-fashioned or not? I'm forgetting how Mistress put it. <laughs> yes. Um... Yeah, I mean, she's evil. Right. Um, She's definitely sucking people's brains out. That's mm-hmm. a thing. She leaves her mark. She does leave her mark. Why is she called the Ronnie? Why is he called the doctor? Well, yeah, but Ronnie, I don't know what Ronnie means. I know what doctor means. Not I know every what word, master means. Never, not every word has to be English. Of course it does. If you're that close <laughs> if you're that close to the TARDIS, it's supposed to translate it, right? Yeah, I have no idea. I'm sure there's some research, but I don't know is my answer. Huh. We should do more research. (laughs) But yes, she was evil. And it was unclear as to why she was there. I mean, other than sort of scientific, she needed that stuff out of people's heads. Yeah, I think there was an allusion to that she was in charge of another planet or doing experiments on another planet. And she needed some more material. So the Earth was her supply depot. So are all the Time Lords who show up on Earth renegades in some way? <laughs> it seems so. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's some other Time Lords we meet, you know, not on Gallifrey from time to time. Mm. The Mad Monk, who is, I guess, is actually another villain who was with the early Doctors. And I think the first Doctor or the second Doctor, I can't remember off the top of my head, I apologize. One of the black and white eras, I remember that. And, uh, yeah. And, but, you know, we met, um, we met a good Time Lord in Shada. The Professor. Right. Yes. So, so yeah. anyway. 
But yeah, I thought it was interesting. It was only two episode serial, which is unusual in the classic mm-hmm. era. But they felt longer. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like they were 45 minutes long instead of like the 20 minutes that some of the others have been, I think. Right. So, so maybe that's why. Yeah. And I, I did like how, even though she was, you know, the villain, uh, she still wasn't on board with the master automatically. She's like, you're kind of coming on my turf here, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I'm the evil mastermind here, Mr. Master, Mr. Master. <laughs> no, that book hasn't come out yet. No, no, I assume that will be after the 13th, Doctor. There'll be Mr. Master and then Mr. Mistress, which I'm excited about. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Now, she'll show up again. Um, but I, I did like this. In- Spoilers, I know, sweetie. Right? I did... Like her initial pairing. And again, you know, it, it's the sixth Doctor and Perry, so I am automatically have low expectations. I apologize to Ms. Bryant and Mr. Baker. Um, <laughs> but, and you know, I don't know. It wasn't a terrible story. There were some hijinks and musical cues that I probably could have done without. But on the most part, for a sixth Doctor story, grading on a curve, um, <laughs> I thought it was good. And, and I thought she added a different element, uh, rather than just being another master in the Doctor, because... Honestly, and this may be just me, a lot of the 80s doctors, we get uh, Anleys, Mr. Anleys, master a lot, in my opinion, like too much, really, honestly. And so when was, I really wish it was just the Ronnie, <laughs> because it was like, oh, the master, him again. Jeez. Well, and he doesn't necessarily add that much to the plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they absolutely could have gone without him, and you still have an evil time lord doing evil things. So I think that that would have worked without him. It also would have worked without Perry because, boy, she gets into a lot of trouble. <laughs> yes, but then she couldn't wear her fairy princess dress. Bosomy princess dress. I didn't really know why she was wearing that, to be honest. No, I wasn't 100% clear on that either. I mean, like, I feel like, was there an adventure before where they were in fairy princess land? Because it didn't uh, yeah. really fit in with the time period, no. even if she was trying. Yeah. Maybe that was just her American idea of what that heiress dress looked like oh that's always fun isn't it when the british do the american idea yeah though considering what the doctor was wearing yes there there is there is that there was also the the handsome gentleman uh luke i think yes who gets brainwashed who gets brainwashed and 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 perry uh, wants to save him and yeah yeah but yeah i i did like the idea she got to see another tardis Yes. The Ronnie's TARDIS. Absolutely. Yeah. I did think it was a nice, interesting design there. Um, I was reading something recently. I, there was a Twitter stream um, from one of the, a, a great, I think, uh, I'm going to get the Twitter handle wrong. Something like at who FX, I believe, but I might be wrong. But they were, anyway, they were doing a tweet storm about the different FX in the time in the Ronnie, which is the, you know, the next time she appears. And it was interesting. I think they said they tried to get the TARDIS from this episode, but I think it had been junked by then, unfortunately. Uh. Yeah, I imagine it's tough to to keep all of that stuff around Mm -hmm. for set builders and things like that. Always tripping over a TARDIS. (laughs) Everywhere they they turn, it's either a TARDIS or a Dalek. It reminded me, this is going to be a weird callback reference, but it reminded me in Star Trek Discovery of Captain Lorca's sort of what I call horror room, um, her TARDIS. And, you know, with all the sort of experiments she's working on. Oh, yes, yeah. And it's like sort of the, the different idea... Because in the classic era, and even in the New Who, you sort of have the pillar in the middle, or even if it's just the half pillar going up and down. Mm. But her having sort of the spindly thing, I thought was a nice, you know, try to hard to reimagine, you know, you have a new Time Lord or Time Lady, 
what does her TARDIS look like and all that. Yeah. So, cool. So did you enjoy having a time lady for once? Sure. Except she was evil. I missed the mistress. Mm-hmm. Well, she is to come again. Excellent. Hooray. <laughs> so, darling, what are we going to be talking about next week? Well, I thought we would talk about Doctor Who and his charity work. Ah, well, that's rather charitable of you. Stop that. Don't do that. People <laughs> will stop listening, darling. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be talking about the different Red Nose Day and even comic relief sort of, I don't know what you call them, vignettes, specials vignettes, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that have been done through uh, New Who over the years, and we'll maybe visit a classic one or two as well. Are there classic ones? Yes, there are indeed. Oh, that's exciting. Well, that's that will be our TARDIS library then, won't it? Exactly. There's a one of my favorites, I forget what it's called off the top of my head, but we'll talk about it next week, in which you get almost every British actor of the late 80s playing the Doctor in one special. I think that sounds fantastic. <laughs> I, that, I much prefer that sort of TARDIS library than Perry. Oh. Sorry, sorry Perry. Sorry, Miss Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next week, darling, you're my favorite lady to travel in all of time and space with. Ooh, am I the mistress? Yes, dear. <laughs> this is BBC Television.